Hello and welcome. My name is Adriana Tanto and this is the 100th episode of the Outback Mind podcast. Now, you're probably sitting there wondering, why are we hearing this female voice on the great man, Aaron Schultz's podcast? So I'd love to just give a quick backstory on how we met, and it's only just in recent times that we met. We have a beautiful mutual friend, Ando, who was actually on a podcast of Aaron's in previous episodes, and he essentially connected us. And I happened to be coming to Agnes Water and I was driving in and I saw this big billboard of the podcast and I was like, right, this is the time that we're going to finally meet. And I emailed, I left my number and within an hour, within an hour, Aaron gives me a call. I was only in town for the night and straight away he picked me up (laughs) and he took me out venturing to the beach and hanging out with his friends. So this just gives an idea of how of a warm, kind human being Aaron is. And since then, I left Agnes Water and it was only a couple of weeks ago that I got this beautiful message from him asking me to interview him for his 100th episode. And the great man is sitting right beside me. Here we are. So first of all, Aaron... I'm so honoured and blessed to be given this opportunity. So thank you and welcome to your podcast. Yeah, thank you. Um, You've driven all the way up from the Gold Coast to do this. So that was pretty cool. So I'm really grateful for that. And I got you to come to a yoga class this morning too, which was really good. So it sort of worked out pretty well. And um, yeah, here we are doing this. So uh, it's, uh, it's all worked out really well. Like it's all, it's meant to, I suppose, isn't it? So oh, absolutely. Yeah. And what a way to, to bring in this podcast by doing that beautiful yin yoga session in this community space. Like, it, yeah. you know, we, we came out of the yoga session straight away and we were like, we've got to do the podcast now we can't wait we can't wait let's just do it so thank you so much for thank you so much for the for the session this morning it was you know it was a truly beautiful practice and um and it's just yeah let's just get straight into this episode i think appreciate it well we might be here for a while so we'll just see how it goes and uh it could be in two parts. We're not sure, but we'll just see how see how it unfolds. So it's all good. We'll just Go let it, it let yeah. it unfold. Yeah. You know, before I before we started, you know, I, I wanted to know what you wanted to chat about, and you were just like, "Let's just be open and honest, and just see how, where all the conversations go." And yeah. I think a beautiful place to start, you know. I did get to read your book, right? So a wink from a guru. We have to mention that before, um, say, you know, before committing to this, you said you better read my book. So I've had the beautiful honor of going through the pages and, you know, there was just so many wow, wow, wow. You truly have had nine lives. That's the way that I sort of see it. And, you know, we can call you first and foremost a father, a yogi, Uh, a meditator, meditation teacher, a wellness coach, you know, you've had the corporate life, you've had all these labels, right? Mm. 
But underneath all the labels, mm. who are you? Who yeah. is Aaron yeah. Schultz? Well, it's, it's really interesting that you're asking me this because this morning when I was teaching the yoga class to you guys, something come to me then and it was, it was saying to me that I'm here at this point in time in this body for a reason and that's to help other people um, find connection with themselves because we've all got this thing, thing inside us called our souls um, and we've lost touch with that and you know I guess through my own journey I've been able to reconnect with mine so I think it's my job to help others to find ways to reconnect with theirs um, and modern society at the moment is, is trying to take us away from that considerably it's trying to separate us it's trying to um, make us live in fear but really, if we've got connection with who we really are, then um, a lot of that doesn't really, um, uh, it's not that important, put it, uh, put it that way, at the end of the day, you know. I was sitting on the beach this morning doing a meditation practice as I do every, well, most days, but this is something I've done since I was a little boy, like the sun comes up, it goes down, everything is working like it should, except for the human mind. The human mind is not working as it should. We're, we're, we're complicating things too much. The world is creating a, a beautiful environment for us that gives us everything that we need. We're just forcing against it consistently. So I guess that's who I am. I'm here to help other people understand that that's who we are. You know, mm. we're not all the labels. We're not all the, you know, the things that society expects of us. There's so much more than that. And it's, we're actually meant to be enjoying and living in harmony here. We're not actually like meant to be separating ourselves and judging ourselves and criticizing ourselves but also criticizing others and trying to you know have this make-believe lifestyle because it's really not what was intended i don't think at the end of the day mm. yeah i can already feel that we will definitely dive deeper into sort of the practical ways of how we can actually get that sense of self and find who we are but i think we should sort of maybe just go Go into the life of Aaron, mm. I think, mm. and really talk to us about how it started. How did life begin for you? Because mm. you've had a rocky road, my friend. Yeah, no, <laughs> how did yeah. it all start? It was pretty interesting. Um, like my my mum and dad. Like my mum had me when she was forty three, which was pretty unheard of back <sighs> in in the seventies. Um, so my my mum. Um, uh, you know, is a was a beautiful lady in many ways. Is this? Is there's no doubt. It. Um, but yeah, dad, dad met mum. I think dad really loved. Like they had this really nice relationship. Like really loved mum and, and so forth. Um, so uh, you know, mum, mum had me. We were like, let's say, let's use the classes, the lower middle class. You know, and I don't like to. To judge people in any way but if you look at it that's probably what it what it was dad was happy you know he'd he'd um he'd work and he'd get his dozen bottles of beer and and, and that was life but i, I think um mum had um postnatal depression and i know that now um so what happened was well this is this has come to me like later on like mum um 
uh, had like I was I was obviously uh, I come come along a lot later, but she had my stepbrother, which I know uh, in her twenties. But previous to that, she had two children um, through. Um, yeah, she was raped. Um, that I found out. Uh, had a child to that, but also had another child later on. So, she had a lot of trauma. Um, you know, in her late teens, early twenties, and had these two children adopted. Uh, and then when my older brother was born, like his father left when he was two, mm-hmm. and then when I was born, dad was there. Dad really loved her, but I think mum felt really, you know, there was a lot of a lot of that trauma come up. Mm. So I believe that I probably had um, uh, uh, abandonment, um, you know, issues because maybe I wasn't uh, nurtured as well as what I could have been when I was I was little, uh, and also you know I'll discuss with you, a lot of kids get put into trauma really quickly because they're taken from their mothers and they're put in a crib uh, in another room with them mm. with all these other kids. Mm. You know, so that's trauma straight away. You've got this separation thing going on. You've been inside your mother's body for a period of time and all of a sudden you're taken away from that. Mm. So, you know, so if you think back about it, um, yeah, I guess that, 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 is, that is a feeling of abandonment, isolation, and that which happens to you really early. And that, that can really have an impact on, on our lives. Um, so when I was three, I was diagnosed with a brain tumour. I had a brain tumour. Mum told me it happened because of an accident, but I don't believe that. I, mm. I, I just, I, 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 no one will ever know why it was caused, but uh, I have my own beliefs with regards to that. I'm not sure on that, but um, I don't want to go into that one too much. But... So I spent a lot of time when I was three in the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne and uh, they, they took the tumour out and there was a lot of recovery. And the first memory that I really have was when I got home and I got a, a pup, like a dog. Um, and and uh, yeah, that was, that was when the process of, you know, um, having some consciousness about my life started, mm. uh, I guess, yeah. But, but in saying that... Um, yeah, my childhood was, was pretty good. Like, my mum's side of the family um, were quite close. She had an older brother, sorry, a younger brother and a younger sister. And, and although my cousins were a lot older and that, we still got on pretty well. But I always didn't, I didn't have the attachment of having siblings my own age around me. Mm. Um, so that was a bit of a tricky one. And, um, you know, I got some good friends when I was young, like, you know, kindergarten and and, uh, and through school, which I'm still pretty close to now. I'm sure there'll be a couple of them listening to this, you know. So a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the, the kids in my neighbourhood, like they'd say lower middle class again, was more like the school of hard knocks. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I, I just think I had this connection with my heart really young. Mm. Um, and my grandfather, I felt that in him. I remember mum, mum used to say, when I used to sit calmly and quietly, that me and my grandfather did the same things. So our, palm, our left palm would be face, facing up and our right palm would be on top of the left palm and the index finger comes under the thumb. Wow. So when we'd sit calm, like our elbows would be into the ribs and, um, and just be sitting nicely like I am in front of you now. Um, so I believe my grandfather and I um, were very connected uh yeah we'll talk more about that but um um 
Yeah, I remember him as being such a, a beautiful person, a beautiful young uh, old man, never had um, an ego or anything. He was very neutral with his mind. And I, I always knew that was that was me. Mm. But, but coming through school, um, you know, school, uh, I, I wrote in the book about having this really nice peace uh, with myself and, and so forth. But when I was in grade three or four, like getting sort of put into fear really quickly mm. by like having all these expectations and a teacher was really harsh and all that. So I had to go into this self-defense mode and protection mode and so forth. And all of a sudden, yeah, you're in this funnel of disconnection from yourself and I, I believe that the education system is pretty well geared that way in many ways to be able to, you know, push us away from each other and separate us from our hearts. Um, and that, uh, that can have a, a huge impact on the rest of our lives because we're spending too much time in our minds mm. and we're, we're obviously disconnected from the real stuff. Yeah. Totally. Mm. What's really evident throughout your book is this inner knowing right? Like you, there were times, very challenging times throughout your childhood where you've, you, you just had this inner knowing that something wasn't right. Mm. You know, like you, you can actually, you actually talk about it through that, you know, there's these challenging times and you're like, oh, this isn't right. I needed more support in this moment. Mm. And you had no roadmap, you had no tools. So Mm. you kind of went into uh, you know, you took the other road. So do you want to That's talk right. about a couple of those um, yeah. those moments where I guess you were a fork in the road. You knew yeah. that there was something yeah. not quite right, yes. but yet you went mm. the other way. Yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. interesting. I think you go back to, to my mum and, and that sense of uh, uh, postnatal repression maybe or that I was never never told or never like said that I was loved. I never had mm. that, that feeling of being loved at all. Um, and that's not my fault and it's not a lot of people's fault that that doesn't happen it's just the the way things were back then primarily which is you know quite sad mm. but um yeah i just observed things when i'm i was younger i'm thinking this is this is not the way that it should be you know i think there's this more connection um and and and, and higher ways of, of living than, than than what we're we're seeing a lot of our, our upbringing was programmed, we were taught by the TV, whatever the TV told us, we thought was true, mm. you know, uh, young and old. Um, but knowing what we know now, like looking at some of the stuff that's getting thrown back at us, it's, it's really not, not <laughs> anywhere near the truth, you know, in, in many ways, you know, it's, it's really, it's there to disconnect us. So the TV basically, you know, helped us disconnect um, from an early age. A couple of significant things that stand out for me when I was young, um, you know, my grandfather died and um, everyone was getting hugs, but I was on my own, you mm. know, so there was, there was no one there. I, 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 you know, as I said, like older, older cousins and all that, everyone had someone else, but I was on my own. Mm. So I just felt this disconnection straight away. And at that moment, that was on Christmas Day. Um, I just felt like I was just going to walk uh, out of where we were at my cousin's place um, celebrating Christmas and just keep walking and, and no one would have even realised that I was, I was, I'd, I'd gone up mm. until later. Um, so that was a, a significant moment for me because I felt disconnection uh, and that, that made me feel like 
I was I was separate and that's why I started to booze and mm. you know do all those sorts of things yeah because I just felt like I wasn't ex- I wouldn't say not accepted but like not really um you know part of something I suppose yeah yeah, yeah. So so how old were you when your granddad died? Uh 14 mm. maybe yeah so a really critical time yeah yeah and to have that self-awareness already you Mm. know that something wasn't quite right at that moment yeah well it was around the same time too um but my dad is a really beautiful man and uh he um yeah i you know i maybe he'd been a little bit weak but uh, he had a he had a big heart and i remember around that time not long after that being at our local cricket club and two of Dad's friends, you know, they were quite drunk, and um, yeah, one of them said to me, "I'd finished playing cricket. I was only young." Uh, in the afternoon, one of them, like they pulled me over, and uh, I'd known these these two men my whole life. You know, one of them said, "You're going to end up being a dickhead like your old man," <laughs> and um, and the next morning they were both sitting at my kitchen table drinking with my dad. You know, and this guy looked at me and, and uh, after that event, I, I went home that night and I, I told mum and dad about it and they didn't support me and I needed that nurturing then. So I, I, I basically, yeah, the next day I didn't get any support and I just felt, I was 15 then maybe, mm. but I just felt totally on my own. I, I thought, this is not right. Like these behaviours are, are, are false, like, you know. I know my dad so much better than that, but he, he wasn't able to stick up for me when I needed it. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, so I wouldn't say that made me angry, but it made me feel really isolated and lonely. Mm. So then I went on my own journey of drinking and that. But I, I knew that wasn't me, you know. Mm. I, I, I knew that that behaviour wasn't me. But it was like I, I, I said, like, if you can't beat them, join them. So it was either, you know, there was nothing, nothing that I could do in that community that was able to give me what I needed, the, the nourishment that I needed. It was either go to church mm. or, or play sport and sport involved boozing, mm. you know. So I saw, I saw alcohol destroy a lot of lives. Those two guys, and, you know, one of them I, I really rate dearly, but they died not long after that through, through alcohol-related illness. You know, and I went to both their wakes and people was, were drinking and, and getting smashed. I'm thinking, this is not right. You know, don't you understand why, why we're here in the first place? So that, that's the, the knowing that I sort of had when I was young. And I said it without any ego. Mm. It was just like a real, uh, a real sense of sorrow. But uh, as I said, that isolation feeling that I had... This is where a young man can fall into suicide really Mm. quickly Mm. because they're feeling so separate. I I wouldn't say I felt like that then, Mm. but you can see why it happens. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, so I just just was disconnected from myself and that's why I took the path that I did, which was not bad. Like, you know, I got a bit of trouble with the law, all that sort of stuff, never really got into drugs or anything, but... You can see why young people go off the rails really quickly. And that sense of isolation, separation is, is probably a, a big part of it, I would have thought. Mm. Yeah. 
where were you in Australia when I don't think we actually even dived, like we explained yeah. where in Australia you actually were throughout your childhood and why that's yeah. so significant yeah. to this story. Yeah, yeah. Horsham in country Victoria. Mm. So I love I love the area. I always have. I remember when I was a young bloke riding my push bike out of town, there's a population sign saying Horsham population 12,800. I'd put a one in front of it to make it look like it was uh, 112,000. So people would think, oh, this is such a bigger place. Um, you know, it's a special place. But I, I really enjoyed, like, like you know, riding around our push bikes, uh, when we were kids doing all, of, you know, all the, the, the fun stuff without all the distractions like we have now in modern life. Mm. You know, so that that was that was living life from your heart. You you were connected, mm. you know, with with other individuals, connected with the environment, and you you think about ancient wisdom, ancient tribes, all that. That's what we're all doing. You know, we're all we're all in there having fun, supporting each other. You know, sharing, giving. You know, being compassionate, all that. That's where we've lost our way in modern society. So um, so yeah, Horsham um, uh, is a very special place. Um, for me, it's a farming community, um, so that's why I guess, I guess uh, my whole career I've been I've managed men because mm. I've, I've actually like um, come from a you know a, an environment where it's it's farming and the men did the work, the wives you know supported the men, and that's what probably fucked my marriage up as as you probably read, but um, yeah, so to, to sort of have that mindset when I was younger, but yeah, things have totally changed since then, yeah. yeah. So being in that environment and getting to a point where you were at 14, 15 and suddenly isolated, disconnected, mm. and mm. you said that you took this other route. Mm. Now, you know, it's, it's a common but uncommon route, you know. Mm. I don't know whether it's that mm. common or not, but mm. I, I share this with you, yeah. you know, that suddenly we get to a point where... Um, we start discovering alcohol and mm. um, what, you know, tell me a bit more about that, you know, mm. and what, was there any support for you being yeah. in Horsham, being in this regional town? Yeah, no, no, it's interesting. Like the first time I, I remember drinking was um, something happened at home and I, I took two bottles of beer out of, out of the beer fridge of mum and dad's and I went and hid in the next door neighbour's laundry because they were never home and I drank the two bottles of beer I was probably 13 maybe mm. 13 and um, um, yeah and then I made a mine had a party and I went there with another guy and we drank Johnny Walker and that that really knocked me around I, I was thinking I, I didn't want to do this you know I didn't really want to take that path that was not good but um yeah like all those instances sort of happened in my life and then you you need a companion, right? Mm. If you haven't got a companion to support you or you, people are saying toughen the fuck up, mm. um, this is a nice companion because it doesn't, it doesn't judge you, you know. Mm. Drinking, drinking is uh, something that you can do that's, um, that makes you feel good, but that good feeling doesn't last, you know. So, so, um, so yeah, so I, I sort of got into this cycle when I was young. Um, you know, it was good to have a beer with the boys and all that. Um, you know, when I'm saying boys, we were boys, you know, yes. 15, 16, going to blue light discos, um, getting into the, the pubs at that age, drinking like at the bar with men at 16. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I actually like wanted to get out of that help. I needed help. 
so there was a drug and alcohol centre there in town and um, uh, it was just like someone's house that they'd converted into like, you know, this thing. And, and I, I wanted to go and get some help there, but I just felt so ashamed mm. and so embarrassed uh, that, that someone might, you know, find out and then they'd tell people and in a small environment that was one of the, the big things in that town as it is in a lot of rural uh, locations, you know, fear of what other people think about you, you know. Um, so, so uh, unfortunately, I was never able to get the help that I wanted back then. You talk about this cycle that you were in at that age. When did you, essentially, I know from the book and everything that, you know, the drugs, I mean, the alcohol and everything went on for a little bit, but mm. there was something that broke the cycle, right? And you did end up leaving. So yeah. what, what was the catalyst for that? Uh, leaving Horsham, you mean? Or, mm. Yeah. Oh, so... Um, I, uh, I wanted to get out of there, to be honest, mm. uh, just to, just to give myself another, uh, perspective of life. So a couple of mates moved to Melbourne. So I went to Melbourne, um, uh, with my auntie for a while and, um, I was doing some work down there and, uh, for a reward, I'd get like half a dozen beers, uh, on the way home, um, you know, and have them and. That and um, and then my mates uh, moved into a house, so I moved in with them, and uh, we were just partying a lot and mm. all that, and um, yeah, sort of got into this, uh, you know, I wouldn't say bad lifestyle, it was fun, but I realised after all I need to get out of Melbourne, mm. so um, <laughs> so I moved up to Shepparton and um, and lived with a rally there. He's a beautiful man, but. Uh, I was just drinking consistently and I, I just couldn't get away from it, you know, and uh, I ended up going back to Horsham and you, I, I, I sort of cleaned myself up back there. I started going to the gym and that a bit too and started to make some changes, but eventually you get sort of pulled back in. Yeah. It's like you're on the end of a fishing rod uh, on a hook and you get reeled back. Uh, and um, yeah, so I sort of got back into that. Then I you know, lost my license for drink driving mm. and um, had a girlfriend at the time, which I really loved, but that wasn't really mutual. Mm. So, uh, so that sort of set me on a bit of a, you know, uh, 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 an indirect path too. So trying to make my way through there, trying to get into um, career and work and um, all those sorts of things. And I knew that it wasn't really aligned with, with that heart feeling that I knew when I was younger. Mm. But I'd lost disconnection. I'd been disconnected from that, I suppose. So being able to try and weave my way through that period um, it was not easy. And I had a mate that, 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 that killed himself. Um, you know, I think I was 22. He might have been 19 or around about anyway. But um, yeah, so he uh, he was a nice nice kid, and um, I really don't know why. Mm. You know, there must have been some trouble underneath all this that we didn't know. Um, and um, yeah, so I remember going to his funeral and and going to talk to his dad, which I never really met until then, and explained a few things to him. And he was pretty critical. Um, so maybe there was something um, in their relationship or something that. Uh, wasn't quite right that uh, that, that sent him um, you know on the path to suicide, but um, he split up with a girlfriend too, and I wouldn't have thought that would have been the, the 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 reason that he did that. So so yeah, so I knew then I wasn't angry with him, but uh, I knew then that I maybe needed to do something to help people, mm. not uh, not take that that path. 
But for me then, I wanted to do something, but the choices were to go to uni. I never had the marks to get into uni, so I, I felt hopeless. Mm. So, you know, I didn't, didn't pursue that uh, at that time. Yeah, yeah. And mum and dad weren't the type of people that would, would direct you to go and, you know, do something to better yourself academically. It was always seen as to be too hard, mm. you know, to go, to go and, you know, get qualifications in certain areas or whatever. So I, I really needed that motivation, but I never, never got it, unfortunately, yeah. Mm. yeah. A, a, just another um, example of you being at that fork in the road, being like, yeah. oh, having this inner knowing, like, yeah. oh, there's something I can do here, yeah. but I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And that, that mentor, that person wasn't there yeah. to guide you down that, ro- you yeah. know, down that road, which yeah. you obviously found later. Yeah. But... So what road did you take? What mm. career path did you take? Yeah. Because your inner knowing still popped up yep. down that road yeah, as well. Yeah, it was more to, to, to keep helping people. Mm. And the only way I could do that would be was through youth work and, um, and through working uh, with people with, with psychological injuries. So, um, you know, disability, so, so psychiatric issues and so forth. Um, so I worked in that, in that space for quite a while. Um, I, it's really interesting. Um, I remember uh, being being re- really interested in people that were that were locked up. You know, why why, mm. why, were, why were people getting locked up? Um, all that. And I remember I, I went I rang up uh, Pentridge Prison uh, because I was sort of doing a bit of work in that space, and I said I want to come down and have a look at and see what this is all about. So they let me in. Uh, I went to Jaga Jaka, looked at the whole setup of it all. You know, and just I felt compassion for. For these, for these guys back then, you know, as a young 22, 23-year-old, whatever it was, you know, and I thought I'd love to be able to do something here, but the only option was to go and do social work or do a degree in psychology, which didn't really interest me, you know, at the time, because I didn't believe that I had um, <laughs> the ability to be able to, uh, to take that path, you know, um, which is sad. I did some other study in, in other areas, uh, but... Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was that lack of self belief um, that really that, that was really the undercurrent which uh, was was sort of holding me back. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had a pretty significant corporate life as well. Mm. You know, like you had some big big jobs, mm. um, and it's. And, and when each one ended, it, it's quite significant. Like, you, you know, it's like a thump on the head that happened mm, to you. You kind yeah. of was like, hang on a second. Yeah. That inner knowing coming up again. Mm. Um, so talk about maybe a bit of your corporate life. Because you, you, you did some big things. Yeah. Well, it's, I worked in that disability in that youth space and that quite a while. Then I got out and a guy offered me, it's interesting, this guy offered me this role and um, I knew he was a nutcase. <laughs> Uh, and he got me in and uh, while I was doing all the work he was running around not doing much and anyway I made a phone call to the to the bosses in Melbourne I said mate you, you gotta you gotta have a look at this bloke he's not you know he's not uh, doing what he's what he's saying mm. um, and the next day they come up and sacked him wow so I, I, I was given the responsibility to look after the whole uh, area um, and that meant being on call all the time. So this is this is really my my first, um, I suppose, uh, uh, association with anxiety or known anxiety. Mm. Um, 
because I was on edge all the time. You know, I was trying to do this job really well because I had an opportunity and um, uh, I wanted to do well. Um, and yeah, so I, would, I found myself like going home, maybe having a couple of cans, but then being on, on call consistently. So your phone was always on, you, you get calls at midnight, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and because I actually wanted to do a good job, I was like, <coughs> I was just, you know, doing what I could with the individuals um, to, to support them um, because, you know, I wanted to, to be there for the, the employees but also for the company. So mm. I just felt myself getting pulled in two directions. But, yeah, that, that hard work um, paid off in some way. Mm. But then I went from that stressful role into another stressful role uh, and I remember, I remember driving to work one day, just wanting my car to go off the road and hit a tree. So I didn't, um, you know, I was so fatigued, but also so unconscious and unself-aware that um, I just, I thought I'd be better off dead because I was so buggered. And I knew if I had an accident, then people wouldn't, uh, you know, they'd feel sympathy or compassion for me because, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so um, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was wrecked and that, that's burnout in its essence. But also the anxiety was, was underneath all that. And that anxiety in me was developed from, from that, you know, teenage, um, you know, age, I suppose, uh, so to speak, unconsciously, because we didn't understand really any of this sort of stuff back then. But um, yeah, so, so yeah, so that role and uh, did well there, got off another uh, position with the company. And I, I took that business from nothing to being like really, really profitable. Uh, and, 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 you know, performing really well. Uh, and it was, I was attached to that job. You know, I was attached mm. to that role and what I'd done. And then the organisation decided to, to make my job redundant and a couple of others. And it was just like I felt hopeless. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and, yeah, you know... At the end of the day, all that money was worthless. You know, mm. I got some of it, but they got the majority of it. Um, so, and I had two little, or one little boy at the time. Uh, two little boys at the time. Yeah, so, um, to cut a long story short, we'll, we'll go into the next one in a tick, but you know, I, 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 I went home and uh, my wife wasn't really supportive of me, of me there. So I, I was offered another role with another company doing the same thing uh, and the, you know, took a lot of that business into this organisation It made them really profitable. The, uh, the global financial crisis hit, mm. so they got rid of people and I was one of them and I felt totally useless, mm. you know, um, like lost inside. I had no one I could go to, you know, to, to talk about stuff. My wife's a... She was, was a beautiful lady and is a beautiful lady, but she she couldn't have conversations with me about this, you know, quite judgmental too. Um, so I felt like I was ready for suicide then at that at that point because I just felt hopeless. I had a couple of little boys and um, I didn't want to um, end my life. Uh, but I guess um, I was attached to success, mm. so to speak. You know, what... Like Aaron's now this, but Aaron used to be the local dickhead. But um, mm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I was attached to being something uh, or having a title or performing really well in the corporate world. But really that, that connection that I had with my heart that I had when I was young was lost. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why, you, that's why you get to the stage of feeling like you need to get out of the world because you've lost connection with yourself. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah, that, that, that nearly happened uh, 2009. And, um, yeah, that, that's when I started to seek a bit of help and that's when um, things started to, to divert for me and I, I had the option. Um, when I went to Dr. Michael Tooth in Tassie, mm. he said, you know, you can do two things. You can exercise or you can take tablets. So I, I chose to, 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 to do exercise, which I hadn't really done much because, you know, uh, I'd had probably a, uh, an unbalanced relationship with... Um, with fitness and uh, never really uh, was as good as the other kids at school. So I never really pursued, you know, sport or fitness as much. And this was just a new challenge and a new frontier for me. So that's the path that I took. Mm. Yeah. I want to just go step back a bit into, you know, these feelings of wanting to end your life. Mm. Cause I think this is such a big, Oh, it's mm. a tough topic and I'm choosing mm. my words wisely yeah. here. Um, yeah. Because we, we hear of this happening, you know, in society and, you know, people start blaming the person, you know, mm. that's like, why did they do this and mm. everything? Why would someone take their own life and it's mm. their fault? Mm. But explain a little bit more about that, that what's going on in your mind mm. that you actually want to end your mm. life mm. because it's not something that just... Or you wake yeah. up one day yeah. and think, hey, yeah. today is not, you know, tomorrow mm. I don't want to live anymore. Mm. Today is the day that I'll end my life. Yeah. It's actually, a, it's, it is a build up yeah. from things. And tell us more about actually that feeling of just before taking yeah. that road, yeah. the, the thoughts yeah. and, st- and feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I can only talk, talk on personal experience, but it's just a, a matter of feeling hopeless. And, and it's the same feeling that maybe I had when I felt like I was abandoned, mm. you know, at the same time when my grandfather died mm. or, uh, you know, when my dad let me down. So that, that sort of feeling of, of hopelessness, that, that's what it is. Mm. But, you know, knowing now what I know now is to be able to see it, okay, yeah, that's okay, you can move it on and it doesn't, doesn't hang around. But the average person that, that goes through this stuff gets stuck in, in that that. that Basically, I'd say it's the bottom of the pendulum. Mm. So they're there and they don't have the tools to be able to move through it or the awareness to move through it, so that's why they act on it. And, you know, male suicide is significant, and it has been for a while, but more so over the last, you know, decade and so forth. So, so, so guys, um, yeah, fall into this, uh, into this mindset where they feel hopeless and, and, and that's, they, they feel like it's, it's going to be worth... Uh, not being here anymore, you know, but um, God, the amount of people that have been in my situation that have moved through that and be able to move out of it, uh, their lives have been absolutely transformed, but it does take sometimes being at the bottom of the ladder um, and having the courage to be able to walk up it rather than just keep going down it. Um, yeah, and this is why I've got to where I am now to try and help people um, understand that, you know, and, and that's, that's pretty well what it is, yeah, yeah. 
it's not a nice feeling, but uh, but it can be can be moved through. And I was very lucky at that point in my life that I was able to, um, uh, yeah, have have a. And this is this is how things you know uh, work, right? As we mm. know now, like I I I I got. I'm so grateful for Zap Fitness um, mm. because I got a, a thing in my mailbox. To say that the first twenty-four hour gym in Hobart in Australia was going to open in Hobart, and I thought, right, here's my opportunity, and 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 we never lived, we we never got junk mail where I lived, <laughs> so so this this turned up there at that that particular night when I got home, and I thought, well, I've never been fit, no one's ever seen me, um, you know, I like. Coming from Horsham, this is one of the traps. You're always judged about what people thought about you, and that was deep in my cells. So I thought I can get in there at 4 a.m. or early in the morning and, and do my fitness stuff so no one could see me because I didn't want people to see me because, like, back then you, you were judged, and that was still with me. So, so I started to go to the gym, and I just I wrote a program out, and I just every day tried to improve myself. And I had to call myself weak and all this sort of mm. stuff just to get rid of all those... That wasn't me saying that. That was what other people were saying. You know, mm. I'm, I'm going through these emotions. And so that was my ticket out of it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that's how it all started. Yeah. I mean, we are so going to delve into deep of this fitness um, journey that you went on because it's obviously a very big, significant, you know, it's a significant part of your life. Mm. I'd love to touch upon the family that you created. Mm. You mentioned boys and, yeah. um, oh, and it's yeah. Father's Day today. Yeah, Happy yeah. Father's yeah. Day. Thank you. I've got, I've got a bad message from Jed before. Sam will be still in bed now, so it's okay. Well, well yeah, I think yeah. it's a perfect time to maybe, yeah, you know, delve yeah, in. Just, yeah, you know, explain yeah. a little bit about the family that you created. Mm, yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, like when my wife and I got together, Shay, she had a two-year-old. So mm. I basically like, you know, helped raise Tom uh, from an early age. And I was like, yeah, really uncertain about all that sort of stuff too. Um, when Tom was about eight or nine, my son Sam was born. Mm. So I sort of had like a bit of a preparation with regards to that. Um, and Tom, yeah, we had, we had some great um, times when he was a young fella. Um, I was still drinking quite a bit in that too then, like working but also drinking in that too. And he never got the best out of me, you know. Um, you know, I feel really, really um, uh, uncomfortable with my parenting of him. Uh, well, I think I did it okay, but I probably could have done it better. But when Sam was born, like Sam, um, yeah, just a, like like my pop like just a beautiful heart and a kid just a really nice kid and just so happy and joyful and, and present and yeah so so that was that was tremendous and we we moved to tasmania when sam was two and uh yeah he he was uh yeah sort of brought up um there and then my old, oldest son jed was born um 2004 young son jed was born in 2004 and that was amazing too you know so mm. But I found also that I was working and I wasn't home a lot and, and all that as well. And I, I just felt like I was, uh, I was, I was a good dad, but I, I probably could have been, you know, better. But, but thinking back about it, I had my dad's parenting skills, and no one ever taught us how to be a father. Mm-hmm. Like we never, we never learned this stuff at school. So you know, you just got to fend for yourself, and yeah. Um, so yeah, so. Yeah, I, I wanted to be a good example for my kids. 
So that's why I sort of like, you know, started the gym thing and then I started to get out of the drinking as much and I got rid of some of the mates that I had that were probably not going to be ideal. Um, so, so yeah, so through that, I think my boys have maybe observed me to um, be doing healthful things rather than unhealthful things. So that's, that's what's, um, you know, um, I'll, I'll be most proud of because... I didn't just sit around on the couch drinking. Um, you know, I wanted to do something that was more proactive. So, so yeah, so to, to move forward a bit, um, the significant moment came for me in 2000 and... Oh, my wife and I split up in 2014 or 15 and um, I, I just... I, I, I lost... Um, I, I didn't know how to be a successful father or how to be a good husband and that. I just thought I was a provider, you know. I was mm. going earning and the more money I earned, the better I was, you know. And I still hadn't learned from that 2009 episode. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was flying all around the country, mind you, doing um, lots of significant work, but I was only home every now and then and I just realised that I was just... a there to provide a paycheck but I'd lost connection with all the, the stuff that I'd um, created and my kids I believe love me you know and I love them but uh, after my wife and I split up my my mum died um, not long before that um, I had a real uh, you know it was really tough because my dad was on his own and I had my stepbrother sort of pushing me to um, help out and do things back there and um, that was probably one of the catalysts that we did split up because I felt just this real division and um, I never had anyone close to me I could talk to about the way I felt you know mm. so I was trying to sort of say to my wife how I felt um, but she um, I don't know I never had the support that I, I, I really wanted or needed and she may disagree with that but I never felt like I, I, I got it um, so 2017, um, there was an opportunity that uh, I could go back to Horsham to support my dad. Uh, and it was either leave my kids or go to support my dad, you know. Yeah. So I had this real tough choice to make. But I didn't want, I didn't want my kids, I wanted to be, them to be their own person. I didn't want them to, to be what I expected or, you know, follow me. I want them to, 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 you know, understand who they really are and do what they actually love rather than just, you know, following a pathway and getting out of school system like I did and feeling lost, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, so I thought I could be a better example for them uh, to be external but also doing really good things uh, rather than be there and... Um, you know, not live to my true full potential. I I knew I couldn't I couldn't live that full potential while I was um while I was there. So it took a lot of courage for me to do that, and, and I'm very lucky that they're mature enough that that we had a discussion about it, and they said yeah we'll go you know, but it wasn't like um it was a very difficult decision for me, but it wasn't so much for them. Um and yeah, I just thought. Well, here's an op- another opportunity, I like, I like the, 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 the thing in the mailbox, you know. Mm. And ever since then, opportunities have just kept coming and coming and coming, you know. If I had have stayed, then, you know, it would have been, it would have been great because I would have been able to be more present for my kids' life. Um, but 
through that decision, it's not only helped my own life individually, but it's also helped the lives of many others, I suppose, too. And I've always known, and my kids, you know, know that we'll always have a strong bond and relationship, I'm hoping, you know, for the rest of my life and their lives. Um, but yeah, it's one of those decisions that I, I, you know, what do I do? Do I help see my dad and spend that time with him while he's still, you know, conscious because he's now got dementia and I knew that was going to be inevitable. So if I had stayed, I would have missed all that or, um, yeah, so that's how it sort of worked out. Mm. Mm. So you say that there was this turning point. Mm. So from there on, so to tell us more about, yeah, when you went on to this magical journey. Mm. So, so, so really, I, I saw the need to be back in Horsham for more ways than one. Mm. Uh, there was a lot, of health, a lot of issues with men's mental health there uh, and also um, male suicide was really uh, escalating. There was lots of stuff going on, you know. Um, but I, I knew what I'd learnt and what I'd been able to sort of do through the roles and so forth that I had, but also managing men a lot. Like I'd managed lots of guys, you know, all different walks of life, all different behaviours, all around the country. This is what I was doing, you know. Mm. And um, I, knew, I knew that it was a higher way of being, a higher understanding. So, you know, you talk about the fitness stuff. Like I, I pushed myself really hard fitness-wise and I realised once I did that, then my mind was clear. Like I got into this real clarity of mind and realised that all the stuff that I'd been worrying about was not worth worrying about at all. <laughs> once you get connection with yourself, you get connection with everything and then that's the higher level of consciousness that you would have felt after the yoga class this mm. morning. Same thing. So that, that's available to all of us. So, so I'd been practicing yoga in Tassie for a while and also been going to the Buddhist center there and um, you know challenged myself to another level because I'd gone the fitness stuff's all the, the let's use the term yin and yang the fitness stuff's all the yang but now it was time to be vulnerable and do stuff that you know was not common to you the fitness stuff is what you get through school like it's it's gearing you to be on all the time but the slowing down is not there and that's what's needed in modern society and that's what I, that's what I needed then I need to learn to slow down and that's why I, I, I got into that but then an opportunity become uh, for me to become a teacher so I went and become a teacher and I knew if I went back to Horsham then you know as I said I felt a deep connection with the place um, since I was, I was a young fella and yeah. I knew that there was an opportunity there to be able to go back and help people learn to be more self-aware. So to be able to use yoga as a tool to help people um, um, tune in with themselves again was going to help uh, people's mental health and inevitably help suicide. Yeah. 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 So, all right. So you yoga teacher, meditation teacher is that right yeah and then yeah so maybe dive deeper into like the the fitness because that was like you've done some extraordinary things and taken mm. your body on a wild adventure mm, mm. for you know you've done some you've yeah. completed some yeah amazing yeah. races and what and taking your body through physical uh, a physical yeah. journey so yeah, talk yeah. about that because oh, and, and, yeah. and talk about maybe your maybe talk about the 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 base level of fitness that you had before mm. going on there and 
actually because you write about this in the book as well talking about you know the physical changes and everything and what that does mm. to your mentality yes. yeah, yeah absolutely well you know through drinking i learned that i could i could do anything you know so you could be blind drunk and wake up the next morning and you're here again um well with with fitness you you get to a stage where you don't think you can do it anymore but Mm. you push through that you push through these barriers consistently and for me it was like to be able to get to that sense of challenging myself and then like the the part of my mind be saying you can't do it anymore but then i'd be able to push through it and then be able to keep achieving things and I wouldn't say it'd become addictive, but certainly I knew that I could get more out of myself. But what I, what I realised after a while is once I got out of my mind, the body just took over and, and then things started to happen. So, you know, I was really lucky. I got a couple of people um, that were really, really, you know, strong, conscious um, guys uh, teach me. Paul Tucker was one of them. And Paul was an incredible athlete. He, he trained with Russians um, in, in, uh, in Russia, obviously, um, with, with kettlebells and that, and just incredible core strength, you know. Mm. I thought, okay, well, I'm going to start to learn this. So, um, so yeah, Paul, um, I actually started training before I met Paul, and um, I've got my own stuff, and I just sort of, you know, this is before YouTube, and that sort of, you know, become relevant. I just started to learn things, what I'd read in books, and I thought, well, you know, if I can do so many snatches uh, on this side and so many snatches on the other side of my body and then build up my, my core strength, and over time I was able to lift like a lot of weight overhead, and and um, that you can take into any athletic pursuit, you know. So um, I just got to, my start, I got to a stage where I, I, I would... Any, anyone that any, any anyone that challenged me with something I'd be able to do it mm-hmm. and a lot of the time a lot of those challenges like were easy because the work capacity that I'd put into myself was was significant so I'd train in the morning for you know a couple of hours and then at night I'd train for an hour or maybe an hour and a half two hours depending on what was going on and put a lot of work into um, just increasing my capacity my lung capacity mm. my 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 core stability all that type of stuff you know and that's when you know i discovered running and running was easy because uh, um it was just about connection with your breath once you connected with the breath then the body just did it it was just about getting kilometers into the legs and so forth so having the cardiovascular fitness there uh but then to be able to take that into um you know other athletic pursuits uh, and then be able to learn new things um, was, was really good. Um, I got into martial arts and all that. I actually um, was training the prison officers at the local prison down there. Uh, and um, that was really good. Uh, but there was, there was ego there. You know, I'd see myself and I could see the others and they weren't up to the level mm. you know that i was at and i didn't say that gave me i wouldn't think that gave me satisfaction but i needed other people around me that were able to push me too you know and um mm. someone asked me to look into crossfit uh and i looked at like this high level crossfit stuff and to me it was actually like seemed really easy you know um mm. like, these guys are doing this for an hour i was doing what i was doing for like two hours without a break like flat out the whole time you know, like full on, like it all started with five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, then building it up. Uh, and um, 
yeah, just to be able to, to know that I had this, this conditioning to, to go hard for long periods of time mm. um, was, was, was really nice. It was, it was a form of meditation in itself because this is what I've been lucky to learn, you know, coming into yoga and that because once you get connected with your breath, mm. then everything settles down. And this, this can help mental health challenges and maybe it will be suicides and that too. You know, so all the noise, you know, getting to the bottom of the pendulum, as I said, if you can develop a practice which connects you with your breath, then everything else sort of seems to wash away. Um, so, yeah, so, so fitness was, was awesome. Going back to um, uh, Zap Fitness that started it all, mm. like I was there at the start of this 24-hour thing in Australia and, and Bob Cheek sort of said to me, um, I'll say you're a franchise like that was the second or third gym and I sort of thought I could get into that back then and I, I never did but I'm glad I didn't because there was something higher underneath all mm. this to say that there was more than just the gym yeah there was more to explore than just the gym you know so that's why I didn't go down that path and I could have um yeah so I believe that that physical activity it definitely serves a purpose, mm. but it's you've got to have the balance. And I'm, mm. I'm I'm really lucky that I sort of discovered like you know the Buddhism and all that from there because that helped me balance myself out and all the stuff that I really wanted uh, when I was a young fella. So you know school takes you into this fear, this um this this mindset, which is you know complemented by the gym to get you out of it. But you really need to develop the the, the other side being, you know, meditation and yoga to be able to complement all the, all the rubbish that's getting thrown at you. Yeah, mm. yeah, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. You, you just have this amazing discipline within yourself. Like when you decide to do something, you go at it. And you mm. obviously have explained that through the fitness journey. Um, you know, like the amount of reps that you do mm. per, um, per exercise throughout the book that you explain, it's like phenomenal workout ethic, I should say. And you've, mm. you've explained how that was so uh, significant on a positive way to your um, in your mindset um, and then that's kind of led, but then you sort of realise that you needed the yin part mm. of it. You were doing a lot of yang, yeah. which was great, but yeah. the yin sort of started coming in. So, yeah. again, you took yoga and meditation to another level. Like it's not mm. like you just did a 200-hour mm. um, teacher training. Yeah. Yeah. You went beyond that. So yeah. maybe explain a little bit yeah, about to, that. Yeah, to do with that, yeah. Well, I suppose, like, you know, I wanted to um, – to get good teachers that, that can really nourish me. Mm. And uh, I've, I've been able to get some, some really good ones and there's still plenty more out there, you know. Um, God, I, I had Mark Togney on the podcast before this mm. one and Mark's, you know, just from the Gold Coast, incredible with regards to what he's been able to, to learn and it just goes to show that there's so much more to learn than what we know, you know, there, there, there really is. and. I guess as men, we get stuck because we think what's going on between our ears is it, but there's so many other ways of seeing life and being. And, and you know, we've only been in these bodies for a short period of time. People like us have only been walking this land for 250 years. People have been walking this land for thousands and thousands of years, which have got so much more knowledge and knowing than what we think that we have, you know. Mm. as these indigenous cultures from other countries have. So the modern method, the colonial model that we're in, 
is keeping us away from our real truth. You know, so that's why I was interested in actually exploring well, what else is there other than what we know. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be fit and, you know, achieving shit, um, like from a physical perspective. Once you learn to slow down, the whole philosophy and the whole game changes because you become more connected, like I said at the start here, about the sun coming up, the sun going down. Yeah. You're not in this mindset of just... Uh, having to do all the time, you get into a more mindset of actually having to, like being, and that's what I had when I was a young boy, you know, just, just being, and you were part of everything, and you are more connected with yourself and connected with others. That's what I saw in my grandfather, mm. you know, he was connected with who he was and, and everyone else, and he served through the church primarily. I didn't want to go to church, I, well, that wasn't my thing, but now I know that there's so much more than, than church and religious beliefs because we're all working for the same boss right you know mm. there's all this higher higher consciousness higher being than what we what we what we believe in primarily there's so much more than that yeah mm. yeah so go through the you know the different types of yoga practices that you've sort of where where did you first do your teacher training I, well, I started practicing yoga in Hobart, mm-hmm. so Bikram yoga to start with, which yeah. is like you know, physically challenging yeah, and all that, and then yeah, Hatha yoga and that too. So I went to in yoga in Sydney to do my first training, and that was really hard, mm. like really hard, but the teachers were, were great teachers, you know, like they, they were recommended to me, and, and they've been on this journey for quite a while, so I knew if I was able to follow what they were teaching me, then all of a sudden... Um, you know, I would align with it. And uh, it's taken a while to align with that too because it's really confronting and challenging to see things differently from your own belief system. Um, I, 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 yeah, through Rod Galbraith, he took us through this pretty hard practice one morning. And mind you, when I was doing my teacher training, I'd get up at 3.30, 4 a.m. Yeah. I'd go for a run for an hour and a half, two hours, and then we'd get in there at six and then we'd have a two hour like um like a teacher training, like uh asana practice. Mm. So this morning I'd I'd actually been um running stairs uh along Sydney Harbour Bridge. So they have these steep stairs, I was going up and down, up and down. So it was dark and then I got back, got changed and went in to do this practice with Rod. And uh he took us through a really challenging two hours. And then I was lying in Shavasana, which is like lying on your back. And I felt this, um, like what's called Kundalini energy. I didn't even know what it was. Like just along my spine, go at the top of my head. And I just felt this beautiful sense of peace within, within me, you know. I was, I was really speechless. And I went out at the end, I said, I just hugged right and I just walked out of there because I just felt this connection with myself again, this mm. real connection, but also a connection with, with everything. I just went and sat in the park and all I could hear was the, the noise of nature going on, you know, birds, um, all that sort of stuff. And that, that took me to a state of no mind primarily, like not really having any, any perceptions or anything, just being in pure connection. And that really gave me the understanding that there's so much more to our potential and what we actually know, you know, um, there, there really is. There's so much more we can access without chasing that access but letting it actually happen um, when we force against nature or force mm. against us but when we actually flow with nature and that's what that practice rod the, the, the rod took us through you go to see this beautiful flow which got everything in our body working as it should uh, all the channels opened up 
and then through that 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 event happened and um yeah so so since that moment i felt like yeah things really shifted for me as an individual and then you know to try and help others uh, access that not particular that particular feeling that i got but also that sense of calmness was really my purpose from that moment on yeah. rather than being like the fittest be able to do the most bicep curls or chin-ups you know there's so much more to our being than than, than that sort of stuff yeah mm. yeah you talk about kundalini yoga mm. what is yeah, that yeah what is That's, it yeah well well you, the kundalini energy that i just explained that that's part of it um kundalini yoga is, is really challenging it really can, can challenges your belief systems it gets you to think differently feel differently see life differently um use the energies in your body to be able to harmonize you so yeah that that come to me really mysteriously um not through my own choice you know mm. I, I got sort of pulled into this um this learning uh of this particular technology and um to cut a long story short going through all of that like i, I went to um classes uh overseas and here and, and all that too um and very disciplined really disciplined what what come to me at the end i did the teacher training right the teacher training um yeah was very very hard you got to mm. earn that so you mm. pay your, your seven eight thousand dollars and you get this ticket you, you pay your money and then you've got to work to actually get it. You know, mm. lots of people pull out. They don't, they don't make it through that. So um, at the end, there's, they do what's called white tantric yoga. Mm. So you sit on the mat um, with a, a woman on the other side. You've got to look into their eyes, um, you know, without breaking away. And that, that, that brings everything up. Like within you, you know, all your belief systems, all that sort of starts to really bubble away and, and come to the surface. But I, 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 I never knew anything really about my own ego until that, that, that point, you know. And then to be able to see a particular beauty in another human being, you mm. know. Um, and that's what we've got to keep reminding ourselves, right? There's so much more than, than what we what we believe or you know what we get stuck in. Once you see the beauty in, in something or someone else, then that's getting you back to the harmony of what this world was created for, and that's a sense of joy and love and peace. Mm. That, that's what it is. So what's what's going on at the moment with coronaviruses and all those sorts of things? I can see that's superficial. It's not real. Mm. You know, the real stuff is so much greater than that. And it's not actually what's, um, you know, we're, 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 we're sort of led to um, believe in many ways. When you see the pure essence of someone else's being and your own being and know that that's, that's really what we're created for, um, that, that's so much more powerful than, than anything else. So after that particular... Uh, day I felt in this complete sense of flow state for months. I was back in Horsham, and you know I'd, I'd go and teach yoga classes, and and that I just believed that was coming out of me. You know, yeah. it was really, really coming out of me, and um, yeah, to be able to be uh, able to be exposed to to that um, is priceless mm. because 
that that's something that we as i said we have in us when we're young we're born into this world with all these all these inner knowings uh but it just gets distracted away from that you know and ever since then my connection with with other like animals beings mm. like like creatures has just escalated because you see a sense of peace in everything you know you really do an, an agitated human being that's why i love doing the work that i have in prison it's like you know I, I, one, one thing that changed me a few years ago was going into a high security prison and teaching yoga there and, yeah. and just seeing these guys transform over an hour and a half to come back to that sense of, ah, oh, I feel like myself again, you know, and, and actually seeing them with compassion. You know, not judging them because they behaved a certain way, done something wrong, like actually seeing that individual with compassion because um they've just gone on a journey that probably they've been disconnected from their selves so they've behaved a certain way and it's got them in trouble but what they need is someone to be compassionate to help them heal themselves not punishment mm. you know um seeing that seeing a year 12 student that's highly stressed and we help them de-escalate so they can become again is really what it's all about so all the shit that i've had to go through it's got me to a stage now to uh, realise that I can use what I've been able to go through to help others find that sense of balance again. And that sense of balance and calm is available to all of us. We're just mm. going to learn how to slow down and access it. So, yeah, the CrossFit journey, I could have went on that. that would, we wouldn't be having this conversation. This would be an amplified conversation about ego, <laughs> right? There's enough of that in the world. Mm. But to be able to have a conversation which is really neutral, to be able to explore the... Um, the parts of life which are not common to us here was able to give me that sense of uh, understanding of balance um, which um, I believe that, that that path was was set out for me you know so getting back to what I said before about my job here now is to help others connect with their hearts more yeah you know I've had to go through everything that I've gone through to help um, myself, but also to help others find that there's so much more greater connection than um, than uh, than what we what we've got going on between our ears. Mm. Yeah, yeah, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, what is it that you're doing now? Uh, How are you fulfilling this dharma? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to be doing more and more. Um, you know, in in a full time space with that, but I have. Um, like this outback mind thing going, which doesn't make money. You know, my vision is to be able to have that um, become self-sustainable, so money can go back into men's health in in country towns and regional communities. So we have all these um, not-for-profits up and running, which I don't believe are getting a lot of results. Some are, but a lot aren't. A lot of government money is getting thrown at that. To be able to generate money from other sources that we can go and help guys facilitate what I know and programs in their own communities to be help to help men in those communities be, to become more self-aware and, and more conscious. So I think it's what's needed yeah. to be able to help mental health um, because it's like our physical health, right? Like you know, we get unhealthy physically, but then we do things to help the physical health. Well, the mental health is the same. It's just a matter of, of giving people the tools to keep themselves balanced. Um, you know, rather than taking a pill or drinking something or whatever, you know, to be able to use tools that can keep your 
yeah, left and right hemisphere working in harmony rather than you know one working more dominant than the other. So really, yeah. I believe that's my 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 purpose and, and passion to be able to do more of that. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I've been able to link up with a company from WA. So using my experience in labour hire yeah. to um, create opportunities for guys to come out of prisons to get straight into the workforce mm. and then redivert their lives. So they've had significant impact over there. Um, taking career criminals and getting them into jobs and just turning their whole lives around. Wow. That's really a, of interest to me to, to break those cycles, yeah. uh, but also to complement that with, with what I've been able to learn through you know, yoga and, and meditation and, and these other um, modalities which can be incorporated into uh, a well-being program for an individual which can help them to be more um, aware of themselves. Uh, mm. Money and work's one thing, mm. but the other side is, is the other. And we're seeing so much fuck up with relationships, um, mm. you know, um, uh, all these things going wrong in, in people's lives because it's been dominated by money. But, you know, to be able to find the balance so you've got uh, a high level of understanding of yourself and, and others around you have compassion for yourself and some form of love for yourself first and foremost um, will help alleviate some of the problems that we're experiencing now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, after spending a bit of time with you, you've got such a diligent daily practice. Um, But for those that are listening now, you know, there are going to be... I mean, you have a podcast around mental health, essentially, right? So you have listeners right now tuning in that are suffering mm. that um, and on different spectrums of it as well. And if, I mean, is there, maybe can you share some one or two tools or advice for somebody that's listening right at home now thinking, mm. you know, that's kind of on the fence, you know, and is feeling that hopelessness or, mm. you know, or maybe, you know, something's clicked and it's like, I want to make a change, but I exactly where you were in mm. those defining moments, mm. but I don't have the tools and I don't have mm. anything. What would you share with them? Mm. Like how, what, what can they sort of, what, what next best step can they take? Yeah. Think about what it is that makes you feel calm, what mm. it makes, makes, makes you feel like some sense of peace and joy. For, for a guy out there, it might be might holding a fishing rod, yeah. you know, and just understand what it's like to feel that sense of, uh, sense of peace and then try to access that as much as you possibly can. So mm. that's that's probably not accessible for you to go fishing every day, but but just tapping into that feeling every day. Mm. You know, just 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 sit quietly and actually feel what that's like. Um, you know, and then and then your breath will start to slow down. And then you can start to tap into that. But also from there, now we're in such a good moment in time because you can access guidance and help. Mm. So I've had a couple of people come on to this podcast just recently. Um, you know, the, you can get help externally and you can talk to them. Um, this is what I needed, you know, when I was 18. I needed this now. Mm. So, you know, Mantle, which is a, a, an online um, platform that um, is telehealth. So you can go on there discreetly, put your information in and someone will contact you, but you can actually pick the person that you were most aligned with wow. to help you. So, you know, what was that called again? Uh, Mantle, M-A-N-T-L-E. Uh, so you can look at that. Um, and, you know, if you're needing help, then those resources are there. It's completely confidential. So doing this, no one's going to find out about it. Mm. You do it in your own time. This is what I needed back then. This is really what I needed back then. 
So, um, so that's a great pathway. I really congratulate those guys that have started that because that's going to help transform a lot of people's lives. Um, so yeah, so if someone that's, that's got at the crossroads and wanting to get out and make changes, I definitely recommend um, you know, a pathway like that. Um, yeah. and, and obviously to contact me um, uh, through Outback our, our Mind um, to be able to get you know, a bit of guidance and then I can help you on a pathway which might be um, more aligned you mm. know, um, for you. I guess it's, that's, that's the, the hard thing for guys is to reach out. Once you reach out, then mm. all of a sudden that's when things start to, to, to change for you and there's so much more, um, as I said, that's, that's out there that's more than what's going on between your ears. Mm. Uh, to be able to like really um, be able to be comfortable with that is really important Mm. yeah when you um when you asked me to do this podcast you firstly said you better read my book (laughs) so I did that but there was one thing that you said you said there you know this book was initially 40,000 words that I had to compress into 10,000 so uh, 100,000 it was even more. Yeah, 100,000 compressed into 40,000. <laughs> I got that yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what, do we mi- what are the messages that are missing from here? Is there's... Oh, I think all the messages are there. Yeah. But, like, I could have elaborated. A, I have elaborated a lot more. But mm. uh, to be able to bring it back in, um, yeah. you know, uh, the, the introduction primarily yeah. uh, is about, you know, trying to connect with, with the happiness side of things. Mm. You know, I thought happiness came from getting stuff or being someone or, um, you know, having all these external things, but really all the happiness is within you yeah. and all the happiness is within uh, your own heart. You know, we've all got this within us. We just have lost connection with that. So to be able to find things that connect you with that um, are super important. So I, I saw with my mum, before she died, the connection with the heart, that could have been like accessed a lot earlier, mm. that, that, that that is available to all of us. We're just going to learn ways on how to, to do that. And once we do that, then the mental health uh, improves because you're more coherent with, with what the truth of you actually is rather than all the belief systems or the... Um, the uh i suppose uh expectations and things that we have on this identity that you know that we're in Mm. before we were here 250 years ago there was indigenous people running around which were purely connected with themselves Mm. you know and and that's what's that's what's meant for us as humans uh, i believe and and we have that ability to be able to tap into that through community through firstly knowing yourself and then also knowing you know, uh, that other people are, we're all connected, like you would have got in this yoga class this morning, after the end of the class, everyone in the room is coherent with their hearts. They're feeling like they, who, who they are again, you know? So, so that, that's really, um, the key to what that book is all about Mm. uh, at the end of the day, but condensing it into a, a, um, uh, a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a, a book that's, um, um, could have been elaborated on a lot more, but for me, it was to get out there to help uh, people in my community to understand my own journey, but also to help um, people know if they're going through tough times that they can come out of it. 
Mm. I mean, you know, it's it's three parts and, you know, there's, you know, one part sort of biography, but there's two parts of just practicalness as well. Like there's, you know, there's step-by-step and not only mindset, but nutrition and everything. So it's jam-packed full uh, of goodness in there. So um, I definitely, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great book to, to dive into. But, but, But definitely, you know, that way doesn't have to be for everyone. Mm. It's just to help people understand that you find your own journey and whatever works for you, you know. That wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it actually worked for me. I had to work hard for it. But if I hadn't known some of the stuff towards the end that I I could have known earlier, then that whole whole journey would have been totally different, you know. Mm. The stuff that we need to learn at school, um, you know, it was explained in that book but basically, um, you know, I had to make my own way to learn that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I believe a lot of the things that, that we're missing out on um, could be fast-tracked into our lives earlier. So we don't have to make the mistakes that I made and a lot of other people are making out there to take them out of balance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, so tell me, Aaron, what else? What? Um, what? Yeah, how yeah. do you, we've we've gone through so much, and I yeah. think we've beautifully yeah. illustrated yeah. your life and yeah. obviously your purpose of what you're doing now, and explained a few things. What What else mm. do you want to share? Well, like you know, what what it is within ourselves is we've got a soul inside us, and when we leave this body, that soul will continue. So, and, and, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I would not have even understood that. But when I was, before I was five, I knew that, you know? Yeah. So, so understand that we've got an opportunity in this body to actually, like, make a difference and yeah. to be able to, to do things that, that, that utilise our potential here in this, in this experience that we're in. Like, we're, we've been so conditioned to perform and so conditioned to, to follow a pathway that, um, that is really working against our true nature. Mm. Our true nature is to be connected with ourselves, connected with every, everything else, everyone else. We're, you know, the tribal communities which were once created for us is really what it's all about. Yeah. The separation is, is superficial. So to mm. be able to see for what it is, notice that the sun's coming up as I said and going down. That's not changing. Everything's <laughs> going on the same as what it always has. We just seem to get in the road of that. So get get more connected with yourself through the natural assets and, and everything else around you I think is really important. And just to be able to um, be compassionate for yourself on a daily basis, not beat yourself up because mm. your mind and what school has taught us will, will teach us to be judgmental or comparative and critical. But more, more compassionate, more kind, more grateful, which are hard things to do, mm. but certainly the more you can tap into that, then more of life will come to you with ease, joy, and glory. Yeah, beautiful if, mantra. If, 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 that, if that makes sense, yeah. Absolutely. Glory being abundance, and, uh, and abundance is there for you uh, once you start to be open more from your heart rather than your head. Yeah. Yeah, because awesome. everything's created for us. It's, it's created to work for us, not against us. Yeah. But it's working against it, you know, consistently. Mm. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful way to finish, especially yeah. after the mantra that we've been speaking about as well. I think that was such a beautiful way. And um, yeah. Aaron, I, 
thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, honestly. No and and okay. I'm so excited for listeners to tune in because yeah, we just created yeah. so much magic and shared yeah. a lot of beauty. So thank you. No worries. I'm really grateful that you uh, you're able to be the person that I chose to, to have this conversation because uh, you're such a beautiful person doing such great things too and uh, yeah just by by doing that you're going to help so many people so um, yeah really um, yeah I, I just anyone listening Adriana um, helps women out with um, a thing called PMDD she's a PM I think called the PMDD podcast which uh, uh, is all about um, you might have to explain a little oh, bit oh just sharing the yeah. you know oh creating awareness around PMDD and sharing women's and practitioners' stories. So for all of you that don't know what PMDD is, um, check out the, the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. Just, just give us a quick snippet on it. What is it? So premenstrual dysphoric disorder, essentially it's PMDD on steroids Mm -hmm. and one in 20 women um, around the world suffer from it. So if you are, yeah, for any women that may be um, or AFAB community that might be listening out there that um, have sort of a cyclical battle with their mental health around uh, their menstrual cycle, then um, yeah, maybe tune in just to see if it could be that. Check it out. That's the other thing with regards to women, like guys don't understand women very well. And, uh, you know, um, we're, we're married, we've got partners, but we don't understand what's going on for them, um, you know, in their bodies and so forth. And um, to be able to, to learn more about what women are going through um, and be compassionate for that is so important, you know. Go back to my dad and, and, and so forth, like dad goes to work, mum stays home, she does all the work at home, but dad's the, the, the primary person because he's earning the money like I thought I was. Mm. It's not, not really right, you know. The, the woman is going through so much um uh, under the surface as well so to be able to like learn this sort of stuff will so help, help help save relationships and help you know um i suppose self-awareness of of, of, of us as individuals too yeah. it's so important you know so many marriages are getting stuffed up because you know of this just non-form of um understanding of each other you know mm. you see yourself from a superficial point of view but you don't actually see the individual and, and what's going on for them, um, you know, and to be able to observe that and understand that, I think it's really important. Mm. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you're, um, you know, um, able to share this and, you know, you need to be proud of yourself mm. to be able to bring this to, to the world as well. So thank, thank you. you. No, no thank you. <laughs> All good. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening in, guys. Um, yeah. Uh, if this might be of help uh, to others, please share it out there. So appreciate it. Awesome. Cheers.